0: You're listening to Women Making Waves.
1: What's it like to be a baby barrister? We lift the lid on life at the bar as Afra Bruce Jones explains to Susie Thorpe how eventually she found the moment of realisation that being at the bar was far more appealing than becoming a politician.
2: So it never occurred to me that I couldn't become a barrister could become a politician or you could try and become a barrister so I like the idea of a barrister better so <laughs> I thought I'll give that a go. I think it was difficult to find somebody who looked like me. I decided that I was going to go into law from quite a young age I was about 15.
0: At 26 years of age, Afra Bruce-Jones has completed her pupillage and has accepted the invitation to join Chambers as barrister for immigration and crime. Now, before pupillage, Afra worked at a large criminal defence firm in East London and has worked with Action for Refugees in Lewisham too.
2: What is your job that you are doing right now? So now I'm actually no longer a pupil barrister. I was, until um, October, a pupil barrister, which means you are essentially a trainee barrister. It's like training to be a solicitor, except it involves six months of shadowing someone and doing lots of work, and then six months of being a barrister in your own right, but under supervision. Um, That's what pupillage is, it's the the 12 months almost apprenticeship before you become um, fully qualified and i am now fully qualified as of last month and i'm now um just a barrister but you get what's called tenancy which means that the chambers that you work for decide that you can stay and they like you and they want you to stay and be on their list of barristers and right. a member. See. i belong to a chambers called land building chambers which is um in the temple in london where a lot of barristers chambers are and it this the way that um barristers work is quite unusual because most barristers are self employed individuals, but you work um, almost, it's sort of like a collegiate idea. You're in chambers, so there are a number of members of chambers, and you all share staff, a building, admin costs, etc. So I'm a member of chambers. What, what inspired you to even want to go there? Did you, did you leave for going into law? Yes, so I decided that I was going to go into law from quite a young age, I was about 15. The reason I wanted to do it in the first place is I liked debating a lot. And then um, I studied Latin, GCSE, and we did a lot of um, reading of the works of Cicero, who's obviously the great orator. And I really enjoyed reading the speeches. And I said to my Latin teacher, I wish I could have a job where I just basically got to do what they write, write speeches or do persuasive speaking. And she said, Well there are a couple of jobs that do that. You could become a politician or you could try and become a barrister. So I like the idea of a barrister better, so (laughs) I thought I'll give that a go. I really I didn't really know what I was doing to be honest. I just thought thought Sounds like the sort of path I want to take and it just informed my decisions slightly when I chose my A-levels. I went on to do a history degree but planning to do a law conversion and that's how I got there.
0: Because they do say to become any barrister or lawyer or solicitor, you must enjoy the debating becoming quite hard-skinned about it yeah you found along the way that you've had to learn that it's all very well knowing what you want to say oh yeah
2: i mean a huge part of the work as as a barrister certainly as a criminal barrister is your advocacy that's what makes it different from becoming a solicitor or a lawyer who works in more commercial practice where you're not having um contentious argument you have to be able to present your argument respond to people on your feet, it's its very much a performance-based job. Probably not what people think when they think about becoming a lawyer, but mm. for some, if you are an actual performer, you like acting or music or something, then it is a kind of a job that that works. And did you feel confident enough to talk to people about that? Um, a bit, I was quite lucky that I had, um, well, my mum and dad, they sort of never let me think that I couldn't do something, so it never occurred to me that I couldn't become a barrister. And I think also the school I went to as well. We were never told that we might not be able to do something. It was just, if you want to do it, you can give it a go. And it might be difficult, but... Um, And then I was lucky that I I was introduced to a couple of friends and neighbours who worked in the law and eventually a, a friend who was a barrister. And they really helped me by just letting me know sort of the processes of how you get there because that's something that can be quite shrouded in a bit of mystery unless you what do you mean so you mean that you have to have contacts before going
0: in is that part of you don't
2: have to you don't have to but it is often the perception that you is who you know Mm. and that's not true anymore but actually getting careers advice about becoming a barrister is quite difficult because it is very niche and the majority of people who go to a law to do law at university they want to become solicitors so if you want to become a barrister you have to i found i had to really seek out that information and even actually when i was trying to seek it out it was very difficult to find anything and it wasn't until i met a barrister who explained to me this is how you do it this is what you have to do that i really understood the processes to go through and that was partly because i went to university where there wasn't a law school so the careers advice was somewhat limited there um Once I found out how to do it, once I found out how to get the funding available and that sort of thing, it just flew from there. But it it, it was a bit of a struggle to get there, something I think probably puts people off.
0: Mm. Especially girls. Uh, So do you think maybe that process could be pulled back into schools and allowing the schools to see that? Because you said that Mm. your school was fantastic Mm. and they they allowed you to think whatever you want to do, pursue it. But do you think maybe that sort of... Information could have
2: been given into the school as well. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. And I think that's actually the responsibility of the bar itself um, to get out of the... I mean, until very recently, unfortunately, it's a very traditional profession. It's very dominated by white men um, and it's very dominated by privileged people it's not something it's something even now a lot of people think you have to have gone to Oxford or Cambridge to become a barrister and when you actually look at list barristers you go on chambers websites again it disproportionately looks like everybody has gone to Oxford or Cambridge or they've got a master's from Harvard or they've worked for the UN and actually I've discovered the reality is a lot of people have done that but also a lot of people haven't it's something that was difficult for me I think it was difficult to find somebody who looked like me not just um visually but in terms of my background or who I was it was difficult to to, to find anybody who'd done this who looked like me um and it was difficult there were lots of times when I was at law school where I sort of thought maybe I'm being a bit mad in trying to do this you know maybe i I really am barking up the wrong tree and I sort of said to myself well I like, I give myself three years if I don't make it fine I'll do something else because I didn't see anybody who I thought could relate to yeah, or I could just aspire to. to yes but then actually once I got there suddenly there they were so it's it is something that I think needs to be addressed and definitely should be brought into universities more and into schools more what is this job you know how about do you get there what does it actually involve mm. and I've tried to do that a bit by going back to school going back to university um speaking to people just trying to explain to them what it is because I I had a very vague idea I mean I do I've helped a guide and I'm even with them I mean they're as young as 10 but we've done some debate nights and things and they love to know all about it they always want to see my wig and look at the gown it's like their favorite thing but they all know what a barrister is now how do you become
0: loyal to that client if you think
2: they are guilty? It's a very common question. The thing, the bar, being a barrister, you're governed by um, a code of ethics, which means that you never have to compromise your ethics or your morals. The, the, the basis of it is you are not allowed ever to lie to the court. You're not allowed to mislead the court. When somebody tells you they're not guilty of a crime, your duty is to the court and your duty is to your client. If they tell you they're not guilty, then you have to accept that. Um, if, on in your opinion, the evidence is very strong against them, then it's your duty to advise them of that and to make them see... The advantages of pleading guilty if they are guilty Um, but if they say they're not guilty and you have to be clear with them you mustn't plead guilty unless you are guilty if they say they're not guilty then you accept that and actually what you think personally about the case is of no consequence it's only in your professional judgment what um what's before you you have to consider the evidence and discuss it with them that's a very good point actually i was going to ask you about detaching
0: yourself yes. emotionally is that something you've learned in all your training it's been told that yes you have to come away from it and look at the hard facts
2: yes it's something you're told a lot and it's something i struggle with um i'm learning to do it more sometimes well a lot of the time in criminal law things are very sad you know you have a lot of young people a lot of people with disadvantaged backgrounds people with mental health issues and what you see happen to them and and the way you see that they've been let down in my opinion by the system um, can be very upsetting and you do really have to learn to put that aside of course that would never come into the way you represent them but when you leave and when you go home it's something I'm learning to to be able to detach from because Mm. otherwise I don't think you could do this job because it would be so tiring emotionally once you put this silk on Mm. if you put the the wig on Mm. and then your silks do you find you become do you does it sort of change you like with any uniform it is something that you put on to become that professional version of yourself uh, there's a great camaraderie between barristers i think and bar- it's, it's quite a small world and everybody especially when you're new like me and what they call a baby barrister but they're very everybody's so kind and everybody wants to help and really misconceptions about pupillage have you come across mis- misconceptions
0: about oh, pupillage yes. or barrister you just give me one example where you've you've surprised you
2: that... um I think a lot of people think pupillage particularly is very punishing and terrifying and people are there to catch you out and your pupil masters, as they used to be called, we now call them supervisors, your pupil master or your pupil mistress is um, their hard taskmaster and they just want to humiliate you and, and and that for me was not my experience at all. You may, I actually found I've made great, great friends with my supervisors so it, it was a very... But when you spend every single day with somebody you travel everywhere with them when they eat you eat when they go to the bathroom you go to the bathroom you're just basically a shadow you you get very close to them if
0: you were to choose some champions you a know, group of people to
2: work with who would be your sort of fantastic team who have you aspired to lady hale who's the first woman on the supreme court she is somebody who has generally been quite inspiring to think somebody could get there and especially to get all the way to the Supreme Court, imagining what it must have been like when she started um, to be a woman in the law. That's quite inspiring. But more generally, I tend to look at people not just in law, but women in who are at the top of their game in anything. You know, music, um, actors, um, politicians. I've always been quite inspired by Michelle Obama. These people, I think, are hugely inspirational But really, the people who've massively motivated me have been people much closer to me, my teachers um, particularly. And the biggest sacrifice you've ever made? I sacrificed a lot of my social life um, whilst I was at law school. Um,
0: and that's something to get across to people yes. isn't it especially because yeah. it's the most fulfilling job I imagine yes in many many ways yeah. But there is something that has to fall behind oh yeah on some stage not all the time
2: yes I mean I sacrificed a lot and I think actually there was a time when I sacrificed to an extent um, things that I enjoyed like the music there were periods of time where I really wasn't able to do that It just was impossible to do everything But I've managed to get back to it as and when I could. But yeah, I mean, you know, when you want to do something like this, you have to be quite, um, I think you have to be quite, have a tunnel vision. And there are times when everything else falls by the wayside just to get whatever you need to do next to get onto the next stage. I was prepared to do that and I was lucky that my friends have been prepared <laughs> to have me back when I've reappeared. And social media, is that something that you have to try and leave behind when you are a, a barrister or social media, particularly Twitter, there's a huge sort of side of legal Twitter. is fantastic and you can find out so much about what's going on in the profession and current trends and things that have been talked about. So I use it quite a lot professionally and then I have my Instagram, my Facebook for my friends and my family and I still keep up with all of that because you know, you need things to relax. And... What's your favourite emoji then? My favourite <laughs> emoji? Probably the crying, laughing face. Is, I use it on the daily because I do find a lot of things hysterically funny.
1: Do you think that being a barrister is a lot to do with acting? Well, that's what Afro
0: Bruce Jones was insinuating mm. when I spoke to her. It's
1: a performance in mm. some respects, really, isn't it? A very clever performance because you've got to have all your, you know, your, your details lined up in the back of your head. But a performance nonetheless, I think. Mm. Or have I just been watching too much television?
0: Well, I think a bit of both, Linda, quite <laughs> frankly. A bit of both. Maybe EastEnders. <laughs> EastEnders which My brief. Yes, my brief. And I love the way the idea she said that she was talking to the girl guys and she brought her silks in, her wig and her silks, and they wanted to know what a barrister was all about, being mm-hmm. a woman barrister. Lovely. Love that idea.
1: It is lovely. And I also love the fact that she's a black woman in what is predominantly a very male... You know, it certainly it used to be. I don't know about now, but um, I used to work for a law firm in London. And the, the barristers do did tend to be very middle-class white males
0: i think she's she's not fussed by it i think she i'm sure she's come across things that have have hindered her in many ways and and she's questioned it i think at the beginning she was really honest that she said she was going to give herself three years to see if she could make it to the bar and she did it and a really lovely lady as well